Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we can come and study together. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful Sabbath day that you've given to each and every one of us. Thank you for your watch care over us this past week. And we just ask for your leading, O Lord. Ask for your guidance. Ask that you would please be with us now as we open your word. Fill us with a double portion of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to see very clearly from your words of Scripture and speak to each of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if I were to ask you what the book of Revelation is all about, what would your response be? Well, there'll be some that would say, it's the three angels' messages, and we spent a lot of time in the three angels' messages in the past couple of months. Others, it's about end-time events, events that are really scary, such as the mark of the beast. I mean, if there's any event really that stands out in the book of Revelation that's scary, it is the mark of the beast. But whilst this is all true, friends, what I want to look at today with you is the purpose of John in writing this book. And this is from my perspective, and you might not agree, but it's something that I feel really convicted to share with you. And, uh, you know, the book of Revelation, it really is an important book for us today. And maybe you've grown up in the church listening to sermons from the book of Revelation. And the question that I have for you is, do we really know it as we should? If this book is that book that SDAs always study about, um, do we really understand how to teach it, how to share it effectively, and especially know how to apply it in our life today? Look, why Revelation? Why is Revelation so important? Let's start with Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Maybe some of you know this off the top of your head. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him, to show unto His servants things which must shortly come to pass. And He sent and signified it by His angel unto His servant John. So it's all about Jesus Christ and what Jesus wants us to know. Now we know that the whole Bible tells us about Jesus. But if there's one book above any other that Jesus takes interest in is in the book of Revelation. But why? You see, what is the meaning of the name Jesus? The revelation of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Matthew 1, 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Friends, what about Jesus? He came to save us from our sins. Really? The book of Revelation is about Jesus saving us from our sins? That sounds like what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John should do, right? But yes, friends, you're going to see here in Revelation as we studied together this morning that the book of Revelation is all about Jesus wanting to separate us from our sins. But there's one other theme. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it said, The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Okay, so really the end time events, things that really in our day are fulfilling very fast, is the secondary reason behind the writing of the book of Revelation. If you look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3 as well, look at verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, 
and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at what? At hand. Time is short. So we see two themes seemingly coming out in the book of Revelation. And for those that have gone through salt with me, for those that have studied at our salt school or, or you've seen some of my uh, audios on YouTube, um, this really is the theme and the introduction to the book of Revelation. If you haven't noticed, I pasted some extra detail in the description there on Facebook this morning, a link that you can go to in YouTube, which gives you the first class that we have opened for everyone free to watch about the book of Revelation as we go through it verse by verse. But I want to show you. The book of Revelation is about Jesus who came to separate us from sin and it is about the shortness of time. Let's go to the last chapter now. Revelation 22 and verse 7. Revelation 22 and verse 7, the Bible says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Behold, I come what? Quickly. Jump down with me to verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be and then verse 20 he which testifieth these things saith surely i come quickly amen even so come Lord Jesus. The book of Revelation is about the shortness of time. Jesus is surely coming quickly. But then verse 21 the last verse of the whole bible Revelation 22, verse, verse 21, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What? Amen. The grace of God is needed. Why? It's because by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. And so we need it to be saved, to be separated from our sins, to be cleansed from our sin. And I want to show you that we also see this in the middle of the book of Revelation as well. It's called a chiasm. The chiasm of Revelation, it's, it's parallel thoughts that run side by side and they come and meet in the center. So you see that the first three chapters of Revelation is entitled Jesus and His Church, part one. You'll see at the end there, it talks about Jesus and His Church as well. And then there's judgment, from chapter 4 to 7, God's judgment is also found from 17 to 19. And then the war against error, that's the seven trumpets at the beginning there from chapter 8 to 11. And then we'll see the war against error from chapter 13 to 16. And you will see that in chapter 12, the middle is the book of, uh, the middle of the book of Revelation is that chapter. And in the middle of that chapter gives us the same theme that we've been looking at so far. It's about Jesus Christ who came to save us from our sins and that time is short. Let me show you real quick. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. That chapter itself is a chiasm. It's like a little pyramid and it has parallel thoughts that help us to meet right there in the middle and reiterates the theme. You see, in Revelation chapter 12 verse 1, we see a woman clothed with a sun, standing on the moon, crowned 12 stars. When you go to Revelation 12 verse 17, the dragon was wroth with the woman. You see it at the end as well. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, you'll see a dragon, a great red dragon with seven heads. 
And then in Revelation 12, 16 and 17, you will see the dragon again. The dragon was angry with the woman. Revelation 12, verse 6, you will see a woman fleeing into the wilderness. In Revelation 12, verse 14, you also see a woman fleeing into the wilderness. Parallel thoughts, and they meet at the very center. I don't have time to go through all the detail with you, but if you read through Revelation 12, you will see that it kind of mirrors each other, and in the very top there, it gives us a theme, starting in verse 10. Revelation 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. Now has come what? Salvation and strength. It sounds like Jesus who came to save us from our sins and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but what? A short time. Friends, we see the shortness of time there as well. The only problem is the devil is the one that knows that time is short. As long as we live, friends, we need to preach the book of Revelation. Why? Because people on the earth are the ones that don't know that time is short today. How do you know that? Just go to the church. We're living in the church of Laodicea. We are lukewarm. People are asleep. They're going to church. They're making a form of church. They are getting caught up with the world and one hand there and one hand in the church. It's not good enough. It's not. People need to understand that time is short. And so we see the theme of Revelation even in the center of that chapter. It's all about Jesus who came to save us from our sins and the shortness of time. But what is the purpose of showing us that time is short? To scare us? No, friends, to give us the urgency as to why we need to make Jesus our all in all today. Why we have to get serious with God because, you see, we are creatures of time. As long as there has been humanity, God has ordained time for us to live in. Yes, back then it was eternal, but today we are in limited time in our lives. Uh, standard person lives anywhere from 70 to 80 years old and most of us maybe are that are watching this morning we're a third to halfway through or beyond that in our life but we need to see how important time is so that we will work on the revelation of jesus christ in our lives we will make that our priority there is the purpose for the shortness of time so really the all-encompassing theme in Revelation is all about Jesus who came to save us from our sins and interspersed throughout all of that is the understanding of where we are in Earth's timeline today. Throughout Revelation, we have a picture of a people that has revealed Jesus Christ 
through their lives. They have allowed Jesus to, to wash them from their sins. They have been victorious in Jesus Christ. Let me give you some examples. In the first section, the seven churches, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, look at this with me. Every church has this group. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that what? Overcometh. Every church has overcomers. Do you know that? Every single church does. Verse 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh shall not, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Every single one of the seven churches has overcomers. Then you come with me to the seven seals. And in the seals there, you see from Revelation 4 to 8, there's a special group there right near the tail end of that chapter. It talks about this group called 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. And this group, they, they are numbered the 144,000 is because there are 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. And you know what Israel means? Prince with God. He was an overcomer. He wrestled with God and he overcame and God changed his name to Israel. The 144,000 are overcomers. But look at what the Bible says about them. Revelation 14 verse 5. Revelation 14. I know I referenced Revelation 7, but Revelation 14 gives us more detail about the 144,000. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Why are they without fault? Because Jesus is the one that has given them victory over every single sin. Revelation 12. There is this group called the remnant of the woman's seed. Look at their characteristics in Revelation 12, verse 17. Revelation 12, verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. Friends, if you are keeping the commandments of God and you have the testimony of Jesus, you are not sinning. For sin is the transgression of the law. Guess who helped them to keep it? The revelation of Jesus Christ. They are overcomers. The remnants are at the end of time. Yes, they are. And then Revelation 14, we already read from there, the 144,000. But look at verse 12 of Revelation 14. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of, G of God and the faith of Jesus. So they keep the commandments as well. You see that, friends? So look, throughout the book of Revelation, we're seeing overcomers. We are seeing people that have revealed Jesus in their life. This is really the all-encompassing theme. Revelation 15, look at this, and verse 2. Revelation 15, verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. There is a group that has victory. Revelation 17. Let me show you another group. Revelation 17 and verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with Him are called 
and chosen and faithful. Friends, why are they able to overcome? Because it is the Lamb that overcomes. Friends, unless we have the revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives, there is no way on earth that we can ever be overcomers. Revelation 20, look at this. Another group mentioned, Revelation 20 and verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Friends, there's a group that's not only having victory, but God puts them on thrones with him that they may judge the others. And then lastly, Revelation 22 and verse 14. Look at this. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. There is that group that do the commandments of God. They are victorious. They have the revelation of Jesus Christ in their lives. Friends, what is the book of Revelation all about? It's about overcomers, about those that have victory, victory over the beast, victory over self, victory over sin. You can call them the 144,000. You can call them overcomers. You can call them faultless. You can call them commandment keepers. You can call them from the 12 tribes of Israel. But in our time, the group that is especially relevant to us is the 144,000. They will be the last group on earth left alive that is faithful to Jesus just before He comes for a second time. How do I know this? Revelation chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14. Let's turn there. Revelation 7, 13 and 14. The Bible says this, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who is the one that gave them victory? It was the Lamb. But they came out of great tribulation, meaning what? They did not see death. And furthermore, talking about the 144,000, Revelation 14 and verse 4. Revelation 14 and verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. They are the first fruits. Why? Because they never died. And we have studied the message of the 144,000 before a few months back. You can go back and look for that sermon. I'm sorry, I didn't give that link to you. But look, friends, throughout the Bible, not just in Revelation. We have examples of the 144,000 found in characters, people such as Job. Yes, he died, but do you know what the Bible calls Job? He was perfect, meaning he was faultless, just like the 144,000 in Revelation 14 and verse 5. There's other people as well. Enoch, 
and Elijah, who never saw death. They were whisked up to heaven. Enoch was taken, he walked straight in, and Elijah was taken up in a fiery chariot. They represent the 144,000 as well. And so even though when we look at the book of Revelation, and it talks about these overcomers and people that are victorious, it is nothing new. It is nothing new, friends. I'm not saying that they did it in their own strength. I'm not talking about the process. I'm talking about their final result, the finality of who they are. They are perfect in Jesus Christ. They've had victory over sin and over every debasing habit that Satan can throw at them. Another person that really represents the 144,000 is Daniel. How do we know? Go to Daniel chapter 1 and verse 21 with me. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 21. Look what the Bible says. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. King Cyrus was the king of the Medo-Persian Empire, meaning when he came and conquered Babylon, Daniel did not perish with those in Babylon, but he was brought over and he became the top or the prime minister, really, of Medo-Persian Empire as well. And when you do a study on Cyrus, you will find that the how the Bible describes him is very similar to Jesus Christ. Cyrus is called the Good Shepherd. He comes from the East. Jesus is also called the Good Shepherd as well and comes from the East. There are many descriptions that, that tell us, I mean, even how he conquered Babylon. He dried up the river Euphrates. That is exactly what Revelation talks about as well in the coming of Jesus, how the Euphrates River would be dried up and the kings of the east, the way for them might be prepared. So Cyrus represents in, in figure the coming of Christ and Babylon, although it falls, Daniel continues into the first year of King Cyrus. He's a representation of the 144,000. He never died in that sense. He went through time of trouble, lion's den, just like the three Hebrew boys who went through the fire, they never died as well. They represent the 144,000. And in Daniel, what we see is that if we are to be part of the 144,000, there is detail given us in the first six chapters of Daniel about how Satan attacks and the areas in our lives that we need to be watchful of. And I'm going to go through these six areas this morning, but I want to preface it with a few quotes. Look at this. It is Satan's studied plan to clothe sin with garments of light, to hide its deformity and make it attractive. That's Confrontation 68, paragraph 3. Heavenly Places 8.2, from the beginning, it has been Satan's studied plan to cause men to forget God, that he might secure them to himself. And also Adventist Home 432, paragraph 1, it is Satan's studied plan to push persons from one extreme to the other. Friends, do you know that Satan studies us? He looks at our weak points in life and he throws those temptations at us to entrap us. And what we see throughout the six chapters, the first six chapters of Daniel, is how Satan tries to destroy Daniel and his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And so I want to go through this because he has a temptation catered to every person. And in Daniel, God reveals his attacks to us. In Daniel chapter 1, guess what it is? It's the one that's most used. It's the one people are most familiar with. It is that of the test of diet. Let's turn our Bibles to Daniel. We're going to spend a, uh, quite a number of, uh, a while here. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Friends, intemperance is something that is going to send many people to hell at the end of time. Do you know that? That's what got us in trouble in the first place in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve simply ate a fruit. So don't think that what we eat is not moral. But Satan, he attacks us with our food, what we eat and what we drink. Then in Daniel chapter 2, there's revealed something else. You know, that's the chapter of how Nebuchadnezzar, he has his dream and he can't remember it. And what does he do? In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 2, look what the Bible says. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. The people that were called in to the hall of, of Nebuchadnezzar was his quote-unquote wise men. But they were what? The ones that were connected with the devil. Magicians, astrologers, like the star signs that we have today, palm readers and, and all sorts of fortune tellers. They were called in. You know what we call this, friends? This is called spiritualism. And we still have to contend with that today. Do you know that? The, the spiritual world is a very real world. What, what we see in demon, demonic possession and, and all these things are very real, friends. And Satan, he has his agents, yes. Not, not just out there, but actively doing his work as well. And people unawares are caught away. But God sweeps that aside. He sweeps it aside with the faithfulness of Daniel. Daniel was faithful in Daniel chapter 1. He was faithful in giving the message in Daniel chapter 2. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, he decides to build a golden image and force people to worship. Look at this. Verse 4 and 5 of Daniel chapter 3. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Friends, music is a very important aspect when it comes to worship. Even the devil recognizes that. Before they would be forced to worship this golden image, music would be played. And in this day and age, many people are making an idol out of music. And they are listening to all wrong forms of music that is allowing the door for the devil to come in. Friends, this is one that I believe is sweeping the world. You might not even speak the same language, but music can connect you. Do you understand that?
and, and the churches of today, they're uniting on different points of doctrine, but the, most of them are putting aside their differences of doctrine just to come and worship together. And what are they doing? They're singing for most of it. Music is a very big part of what we call the ecumenical movement in how God, not God, how the devil is trying to unite all the Christian churches and making music that uniting point and not the Bible. Daniel chapter 4. This is the chapter that Nebuchadnezzar went crazy. But why? Why did he go crazy? Daniel 4, 29 and 30. Look at this. At the end of 12 months, he walked, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? As soon as he said that, Nebuchadnezzar went crazy for seven years. And you know what's happening today? The pride of accomplishment, the pride of life, the pride of our riches, the pride of our status. We're defined, young people, you're defined by the phone that you carry around. So others are defined by the music. Others are defined probably 20, 30 years ago about their dress or the car that you drive. We like to have status in our life and we allowed pride to creep in but these are the things that Satan is using to destroy our lives and keep us out of heaven these are the tactics of Satan and how he's trying to keep a group called the hundred and forty four thousand from being formed at the end of time so that we can bring in the second coming of Jesus Daniel chapter 5 Starting in verse 1, look at what happened in this chapter. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden vessels and silver vessel which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. What do we see here? Drunkenness and partying. But there's something else that is mentioned here in Daniel chapter 5, which is really important for us as Christians today. It's mixing the holy with the unholy. No regard for holy things today. And friends, you know, that is taking place in our churches today as well. When it comes to church, we have no regard. We let our children run wild and go everywhere and scream and yell. And people are just chit-chatting and talking and talking. And there's this constant murmur in the church. There's no regard for holy things. And friends, we are seeing all these things take place today, aren't we? Music is defining many people. The, the, the appetite and our passions have taken us away in whatever we eat and drink. And of course, the pride of our life and our status becomes very important to us. And then we end up worshipping material things like what they did here in Daniel chapter 5. And then, Daniel chapter 6. This one has not come yet. But what is it? Verse 7 and 8 of Daniel chapter 6. All the presidents of the kingdom 
the governors and the princes, the councillors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. What do we call this, friends? It's called the universal death decree. It's what is soon to come upon this world. It's called the mark of the beast. Revelation chapter 13. Friends, there are temptations that abound in every form today. These are the things that compete for space in our heart today. These are the things, really, that separate us from God and stop Jesus from being revealed in our lives today. Of course, these six chapters are not comprehensive. They don't cover every temptation and everything that will come upon us to separate us from Jesus. But these are the main things that Daniel raises up. And so friends, there is this great competition for the real estate in our hearts today. Great competition for a time and how we spend it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, yes, revealed to us, but ultimately, we have to reveal Jesus Christ to the world. We've got to show the world. And Christ is hoping and longing like he did with Job. He's boasting to Satan. Not, you don't rule everybody. There's this man there that belongs to me totally and thoroughly. And Satan says, is that so? Well, let me go and perform a number on him and see if he'll still be faithful to you, God. And so we get caught up with these temptations and troubles and God, He's hoping and He's wishing and He's praying for us that we would vindicate His name, that we would vindicate His character, that we would show to the world that the power of God is greater than the power of the devil here on this earth. He's praying for us. He's cheering us on. And so are those that are in heaven, Moses and Elijah and Enoch. They know what it takes what self-denial is required of us that God might perfect His work in each and every one of our lives. What are we to do, friends? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, the Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, it says, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know what the word strive means? It means to fight. It means we got to put forth earnest effort, friends. We've got to fight. We've got to resist. We have to make purposeful decisions like Daniel to be faithful. We have to separate ourselves from those who are drunk and partying all the time, not thinking that it's okay for us to drink orange juice in a bar or a nightclub. We're not drinking liquor. I'm not getting up and dancing. I just want to be around my worldly friends. There has to be separation just as how Daniel was not present in Daniel chapter 5 when Belshazzar called for all those holy things to be brought out and wine to be drunk in them. We have to take a firm stand through prayer to be faithful to God. We have to learn to be humble and remember that every good and perfect gift is from above, friends. We got to put forth earnest effort. Righteousness does not ever 
come by accident. Friends, no one will get to heaven wondering, how did I get here? They will know through the hard, stern battles with self and this world and this life, they will understand whether they've obtained the victory through Jesus or not. Let's not get caught up with this life, friends. Let's not allow circumstance to master us. We got to master our circumstances through each of a thus saith the Lord to say to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan, to allow Christ to live in and through us by faith that we can ultimately say to the devil, there's nothing in my heart that rings out for the world. Why? Because Jesus has been revealed totally and thoroughly through each and every one of our lives. Friends, the competition is right up here. The real estate in our mind. Look at Revelation 14 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written where? In their foreheads. The 144,000 stand with Jesus on Mount Zion. And they have the Father's name, His character, His, his life revealed through them. They are completely the Father's. They've learned to behold and reflect the character of the Father. They have the revelation of Jesus Christ in their lives. Why? because they chose to spend time with Christ. Instead of always eating, they would choose to fast a meal or two and they'd use that time to pray, to spend more time with Jesus. Instead of getting caught up with, with um, the, these spiritualistic activities and, and going gambling and, and getting involved with their friends that are always partying, they would separate themselves and they'd go and study the Bible. They would look for Jesus Christ in His Word because that's where they can find Him. Instead of, of going off and searching for the riches and, and getting more pride in your heart and treasuring up more things in your life, they take that time to earn a bit less, but to use that valuable time to spend with Jesus Christ. Instead of rushing off for their work, or for their studies and getting this status that they have to have, they make Jesus all-encompassing in their life. The 144,000 have the Father's name written in their foreheads, not because Jesus came with a chop like the seal of God and just stamped them, but they settled into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually. Day by day, we got to walk with God. Day by day, we're going to fight these stern battles with self. Day by day, we got to treasure up the Word of God into our hearts and our lives. Friends, it can't be just that you're reminded of these things once a week, but you got to get to that point where you're feeding yourselves. Have any of you gone back and memorized the Ten Commandments? Do you know the order it is in? Have you gone back to study it to see if these things be so? 
Are you taking the time for spiritual things? Or do you have good excuses? I got to work. I got to study. I have to take care of my kids. And we look at these things all as necessary and the Bible as secondary. But friends, we got to put Jesus and the Bible in its proper place. Otherwise, there will never be a revelation of Jesus in many of your lives. Look, we've had a lot of people subscribe, um, sign up for our classes. You know, I have two classes that were recorded because of the MCO, because of our lockdown, Revelation and Sanctuary. For those that might be listening that signed up, have you finished it? Or do you think it just felt good that you gave some money so that you can listen to something spiritual even though you haven't done it yet? You know what I mean? That can become a form. You can go to church and chit-chat with your friends the whole day and, and even though you're at church, you never gain the blessing. But some of us, we got to have focused time. If you're not disciplined enough, why not take out time? Just take it out. Just, just stop working or studying for a week and say, I'm going to finish this Revelation class. Get it done. Be diligent. We got to make earnest effort, friends. Or else how is Jesus to be revealed in our lives? It's not often that AOI comes around online. And some of us, we look at the speakers and who are they and uh, whether I should attend. And, you know, okay, Mark Finley, he's next week, I believe, at 8.30 a.m. Sabbath morning. You don't want to miss that. But don't come just for the fame, the fact that I listen to Mark Finley. But make sure you come to find Jesus. Make sure you come to find time to spend with Jesus. For if Jesus is to be revealed in our lives at the end of time, he is not revealed by accident. It's because we are spending that time with Him. You want to be part of the 144,000? You want to be an overcomer? You want to be victorious? You've got to have that quiet time with the Lord. Allow Him to speak to your heart, to guide you each day, to lead you in the path of righteousness. Friends, that will get to the point and say, nothing between my soul and my Savior. Who can separate us from the love of God? Paul asks. That's a rhetorical question. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Is it persecution? Is it trial? Is it death? Nothing except the choice that we make. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us but we always forsake Him. The rhetorical question is to us today. Nothing can separate us from the love of God except as we choose to walk away from it. And so friends, in this coming week, choose spiritual things. Choose the Word of God. Choose Jesus Christ and His Word. Choose the revelation. Choose to pray, choose to ask for the Holy Spirit because these choices do not come automatically. Friends, may God help us to make those wise choices today that truly 
God's desire for us to have His character revealed through us might be fulfilled in each and every one of us today. That's my earnest plea and prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, some of us, we have had a busy week. We've been busy with so many things. And some of us, we're even busy organizing AOY. But Lord, there's no virtue in that. Remind us, even as we give it as voluntarily sacrificial time, we're not paid for it. But Lord, help us to realize that it's not that that saves us. It's grace. Help us not to get so busy, even with AOI, that we forget Jesus in the midst of all of it. Help us, Lord, not to get so caught up with things of this world that we forget to make time for Christ. Help us to realize that in our quietness is where we'll find our strength. It's only as we learn to be still that we can hear your voice, Lord. So, Lord, please speak to each of our hearts. If there are some here that just need to get away from their work for a little while, just so that they can gather strength from your word, help them to see it. And Lord, whatever changes we need to make, give us the strength because without you, we can do nothing. And so Father, please fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Guide us and lead us to that end that truly we might all strive to be part of that number called the 144,000 today. This is my earnest plea and prayer, Lord. Please convict us, convert us, guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.